I want to take just a few minutes and share a word with you from God's word. We do have business to bring before you uh, in a few moments, but uh, I want to go ahead and share this word with you. It may be, end up being one of the shortest messages that I have shared in 32 years as your pastor. Mark, was that you? <laughs> it sounded like you. Lord, forgive him. Uh, <laughs> just for that, I'm adding five minutes, okay? <laughs> now, I just want to share a, a word with you about breakthrough prayer, specifically in terms of the promises of God. If you take your Bibles, I'd like you to turn with me to Psalm 65. And in a moment, we're going to look at verse 2. A very simple but significant uh, verse given to us in Scripture about our Lord. The Scripture describes God in many, many different facets. He is creator, of course, of all things. He is El Eliad, the most high God. He is El Shaddai, the almighty God. He is the Lord of all things, and, and of course, he is Savior. So many different ways in which God and uh, the Lord God of heaven and earth is described. But in this one verse, a very simple word is given to us uh, in describing him that's incredibly important to us. And he simply writes this. This is David, a Psalm of David, and he writes this, and he's talking about the Lord, and he says, you who hear prayer... To you, all mankind comes. He simply describes God as a hearer of prayer. Now, the importance of that is this. It's the reality that God did not simply create this universe and then create this world and this earth and create man and move on in his life as God and just uh, got everything in motion and then went on to other things. No, what we learn, not only from this verse, but really the whole uh, word given to us in Scripture, is that God wants to have a personal, living, direct uh, connection with us, and that connection is through prayer. And so David describes him as a hearer of prayer. And then as we look in Scripture, we know from example after example after example after example that he not just is there to hear our prayer, but he is intentional in answering our prayer as we lift that up to him. Now, he put a great sacrifice together to make this a reality, and that was his son. And he sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, shed his blood, that we may have forgiveness of sin, the gift of eternal life, but that connection could be made for being very personal and direct with him so that, and you don't have to turn uh, to this passage, but just to remind you, in Hebrews chapter 4, and in verse 16, he did all of this so that we could approach the throne of grace with confidence. That is, we could connect ourselves with God through prayer with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace for help at the time of our need. And so, this is El Elyon, Most High God, El Shaddai, Almighty God, and he says, I want to have this personal 
connection with you, and the connection is through prayer. So I am a hearer of prayer. But what I want you to understand in these few moments that I share with you today is that when God created the universe, he created it with order. That simply means it is driven by physical laws. That's what makes this universe stay together, stay functioning, and reason that we can actually have life, all right? Well, in, and it comes with our relationship with God. That relationship is also in order. That is, it is built on principles and there are many principles in Scripture related to this connection we have with him through prayer, our approach to his throne of grace. So I just want to focus on one this morning, just one. And, and so to help you understand this as it relates to the promise of God, I want you to turn with me now to Jeremiah. That's to you right a little bit, Jeremiah chapter 29. And I want you to notice, I'm going to read verses 10 through 14, and then I want to show you a scriptural pattern. This is just one example. There are many examples in scripture, but I just want to show you this one to be able to get across to you what uh, I am trying to teach this morning in these few moments that I have. So this is Jeremiah chapter 29 and, and in verse 10. And the scripture says this and following, for this is what the Lord says, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. The Lord had to uh, discipline the children of Israel. They went into exile. They went into Babylonian captivity. But God has given them a promise. He calls it a good word for them that he's going to bring them back in 70 years. So then verse 11 goes on to say, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for prosperity and not for disaster to give you a future and I hope then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. I will let myself be found by you, declares the Lord. I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from where I sent you into exile. So here's the pattern. I'm just going to walk through this uh, just on the surface, not going to dig deep into all of these, just to, so you see a little pattern here that is revealed all the way through Scripture. Notice, first of all, that God reaffirms his promise. He says in verse 10, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you. He had made them a promise. And that promise was that they would only be in exile for 70 years and then he was going to deliver them out, take them right back to the land of Canaan, the promised land where they had gone into exile from. Now we know this because one of the places the promise is given to us, there's several places, but here, Jeremiah chapter 24, just to your left just a little bit, Jeremiah chapter 24 Verses 6 and 7. So here's what the scripture says here. For I will set my eyes, this is the Lord speaking through the prophet Jeremiah. For I will set my eyes on them for good, and I will bring them back to this land, and I will build them up and not overthrow them. I will plant them and not uproot them. I will also give them a heart to know me, for I am the Lord, and they will be my people 
I will be their God and they will return to me wholeheartedly. So he gives this promise and now he reaffirms that promise in the passage that we're looking at. So he starts with he reaffirms his promise. Secondly, notice that he revealed his plan. And it just simply says in verse 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plan for prosperity and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And so he said, look, I had to discipline you because you had so sinned against me, so turned against me, I had to get your attention. And so he, he disciplines them out of love, but out of love and out of a spirit of mercy and loving kindness, I'm bringing you back and I'm going to bless you with my hand of favor. So he, he reaffirms his promise. Here's the pattern. He revealed his plan. Then he required of them to pray. So look at it again with me. Verse 12. Then you will call upon me and, I, and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. I will hear you. He's the hearer of prayers. He said, I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will let myself be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from where I sent you into exile. So here's the question. Did he require them to pray before he fulfilled the promise or after he fulfilled the promise? Well, if you look at the context carefully, you discover that he required of them to pray before he fulfilled the promise. He required them to come to him and pray. He required them to seek him and search for him with all their heart. And he then would let himself be found and then he would fulfill the promise. So the scriptural pattern is there, but here's the scriptural principle. And I want you to get this. Hope you'll write this down. Here's the principle. The Lord wants us to petition him for the very things he has promised. Think it through. Just for a second. The Lord wants us to petition him for the very things he has promised. Now, why would he do that? Well, one thing, you know, particularly in our culture, but I think this is like human nature, is that if someone has made a promise, then we sit back and wait for them to fulfill that promise. We just kind of want to get back in our rocking chairs, so to speak. And spiritually, if we see, oh, God has promised this, then we just sit back in our spiritual rocking chair and wait for God to fulfill it. But that is not the principle in which God functions in our lives. You see, God wants us to be directly involved in everything he does in us and through us and for us. For us to be directly involved in fulfilling his promises, he is requiring to us by faith to pray 
for him to fulfill that promise in our lives. That's our involvement. That's our connection. That's our partnership of faith. We know the scripture teaches us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And we have a free will. So he is, he is challenging us in his word. This is just one example where he says, I want you to choose to be involved. This is a partnership. And so by faith, I want you to be crying out to me to fulfill the very promise that I have given to you. And there's multitudes of promises in Scripture. And uh, the Scripture mentions in Hebrews, uh, not Hebrews, but 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, that they are magnificent and precious promises, hundreds and thousands of them in Scripture. But he says, here's the principle. I want you to petition me for the fulfillment of my promises to you. Now, we've got two great examples. I'm going to share those with you, and then we'll be through. But I want you to listen very carefully. I want you to look with me to the right of Jeremiah here, to the prophecy of Daniel. Daniel chapter 9. Now, who is Daniel? prophet of God. Where was he? In exile. He was one of the ones he was writing to. He's one of the ones he's talking to. He's in captivity in Babylon and he is reading and he's studying the prophecy of Jeremiah. So here's what the scripture says. Notice what he learned and how he responded to it. Daniel chapter 9 beginning in verse 1. Here's what it says. In the first year of Darius the son of Ahasuerus, of Median descent, who was made king over the kingdom of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, observed, means he was studying, in the books the number of the years which was revealed as the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet for the completion of of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. So he's reading Jeremiah, he's studying Jeremiah, looking at the passage we just read and says, wait a minute, God promised that within 70 years he would deliver us out of this captivity, take us back to the promised land. He gets it. He learns the promise. But how does he respond to that? Verse 3. So here's what it says. So, here's how I responded. I gave my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and pleading with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. In other words, he got it. He saw the scriptural pattern. He knew the principle in and of himself that God wants us to petition him for the fulfillment of the promises he has given to us. Daniel didn't say, hey, we're just about there. The 70 years just about up. He didn't go in there and pack all of his bags and get everything ready and then sit back and wait for God to deliver. No, he began to seek the Lord in prayer, pleading with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. In other words, he's crying out with all of his heart for God to fulfill the promise that he had made. Let me give you a New Testament example. If you will, turn with me to the book of Acts, 
chapter 1 and in verse 8, Jesus preparing his disciples. He's about to leave, about to ascend to heaven and sit down at the right hand of our eternal God and Father there. So he gives them this promise. Here it is. You will receive power. Listen to it. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and as far as the remotest part of the earth. So the promise really was twofold. The promise was, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. He's going to come down upon you. And when he comes down upon you, you will be empowered to be a witness of me. So what do the disciples do? Jesus is saying, he's gone. All they have is the promise. So what do they do? Well, the scripture tells us they gather together in an upper room. And what are they doing? Waiting? No. Verse 14. All these disciples, all of these, were continually devoting themselves with one mind to prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. You see the connection. There's a scriptural pattern, but there is a spiritual principle, specifically in terms of the promises of God. When we discover we know what those promises are, and it's a promise for you, it's not for you to sit back and wait. It's a time for you to get on your knees, enter into a partnership with God, get connected with him who's the hearer of prayers, and by faith, call out to God to fulfill that promise in your life. Our God is God who hears prayers with the intention of answering prayers on the basis of the principles of how we approach him in prayer. So I hope that'll help you. Sometimes when you wonder, well, God promised, but nothing's happened. And it could be that you're waiting on God. God is simply waiting on you. Well, with that word, I want to lead us in a word of prayer and allow that prayer uh, to call us into conference for the matter of businesses to come before us today.